Welcome to the Seattle Sports Union. My name is Abraham DeWeese, and back with me once again is the regular regular gang of fantastic buddies, friends, and fools. You decide whom is who. Who is whom? With Richard the Ram Michelson, Brian the Soul Man Solak, and Matthew Page. Wow, quite an introduction there. Do you fall in that category resounding, too, Abe? Resounding. Uh, I mean, Matt is so great. He does not need any sort of made-up, half-baked uh, nickname. I don't get a nickname. <laughs> I just, my name said weird. Okay. But I, I got to start things off, Abe. I, 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 you, you, you heard my rant about the Sounders and the Mariners. We'll get into that later. But I, I'm going to start with a new rant. What in God's green earth are you wearing on your head and on your body? Oh, so for those How- of you dare you okay okay so for those of you who cannot see because this is a podcast i am wearing a university of miami florida hurricanes hat and sweatshirt he likes to root for low pressure air i am the show's authority on acc football uh apparently because i seem to watch more of that than any other football and this is not my fault okay in seattle we have three different channels that show constant ACC football. And it doesn't make any sense. I can't nope. find Pac-12 football on TV. I don't get the Pac-12, Pac-12 network. network. Pac-12 network won't sign a deal with anyone. <laughs> exactly. That's right. So I take right. what I take what football I can get. Also, I'm in the doctorate program at the University of Miami, uh, working on that. So this is my this is my third college team and in the order of importance on college team, Miami's actually at the bottom. Good. Uh, then UW. And then uh, at the top of the hierarchy, the pinnacle at the top of the pyramid is Eastern Washington University. They went out above all. Maybe maybe I'm foolish, but I was expecting you to hold a grudge from 30 years ago when Miami was foolishly voted uh, co-number ones with the University of Washington. Um, I would hold a grudge, but I gotta be honest, guys, let's get all of your feedback on this one. I feel like college football was more fun back then when I could have the debate, but some reason right now we got like some fake championship where most of the, most of division one is not allowed to be included in the debate for number one. Like, at least back then, theoretically, like, BYU won the national championship. I don't think they deserved it. But at least no. at least there was an avenue to get in. There, it's, a, it's a closed loop right now. And it's basically you better be in the SEC or you better be a blue blood or else screw you. You don't get to. Or you better beat, you, or you better beat AC, or, uh, SEC teams in big bowl games over and over and over again. Hey, Rich, what hat, what hat are you wearing? So I got, I'm got. i representing the Sounders um, in their new Jimi Hendrix kit. I've got the beanie. It's a little cold down here in my my basement office. So, they made um, good money off you for the looks of it. Yeah, they, they made they made really good bank. I'm also representing the uh, the, uh, the, the, um, the guitar strap. The Jimmy uh, yeah. strap. Yep. Because uh, my Sounders are, are on top like they've never been before. I, I see that they're was it are they five and zero? Oh? I mean, what gives? I mean, last time you and I talked, we all talked. I 
me and the Fairweather Finn got the impression that they were maybe kind of rebuilding, but you said they had a chance. I mean, why are they so successful to start the year? Sure. Um, that is a great question. I mean, the, the, the simple, uh, simple non-statistical answer is they're playing great soccer. Um, they're scoring more goals than their opponents and not letting in very many. In fact, they've only given up two goals all year. They've scored 11. Wait, 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 wait. So the, the object of the game is to score more than the opponent? For anybody who's that a fan, correct. anybody who's a fan of John Madden and his his fascinating <laughs> take on sports, generally, yes, the team that scores more points tends to win the game. Um, but that's that that message has not gotten across to the franchise across the street from the Sounders, the uh very hapless Seattle Mariners, who we will uh, dive into their their foibles more later. But yes, Fe feckless as well as hapless. Feckless, hapless, uh, without a clue. Insufficient, um, insufficient. They're they're worse than the um, Cleveland Indians, as portrayed in Major League. They're worse than the Cleveland Spiders from a hundred years ago, <laughs> eighteen ninety seven. Yeah. Anyways, tell me why the Sounders are so good. So the, the real reason is because Brian Schmetzer is, quite frankly, probably the best coach in MLS. He's done the number one thing that every head coach, manager, general manager, except, is supposed to do. He has put his players in the best position to win. He has uh, taken a look at all the talent he has and figured out, hey, we need a formation change to get my best players on the field, and we need a philosophy change to take best advantage of the talent that I have right now. And so he's got two wing backs, uh, Christ, uh, Christian Roldan's little brother, Alex Roldan, who's playing out of his mind right now. If this form continues, he will be an MLS all-star, okay? Which is not like the biggest, greatest thing, because the all-star game is kind of hokey, but it's something. Like, it speaks to how good he's been. And Brad Smith will be an all-star as well. Both of them have basically been bombing up and the Sounders have been doing a lot more wide play, meaning they've gotten the ball way out wide near the sidelines, and then they're playing the ball in to their deadly forwards in, uh, in Will Bruin, Freddie Montero, and, of course, the assassin Raul Rui Diaz. Um, the other thing is that the Sounders have played outstanding defense. They have not given up a goal in the run of play. For what uh, those out there that don't know what that term means, that means... While they have given up two goals, both of those goals were off free kicks, what basically means that the Sounders fouled someone and the opponent uh, opposing team kicked the ball directly into the goal, past the wall, past the goalkeeper. But they have not given up um, a goal in the run of play, meaning in well, the, the, the play is active and going. The Sounders have not given up a play, uh, a goal there during that time. Uh, of course, this will not continue. They'll probably not continue this super hot form that they're in with five wins and one draw and no losses. But they are on a very good trajectory. Um, they're passing the statistical test. Abe, I know you hate your sabermetrics and your deep stats, but they're passing that one. And they're passing the eye test, the thing that you love. No one knows what to do because when you try to stop the wide players, the Sounders ram the ball down the middle of the field. When you try to stop them in the middle of the field, they play the ball out wide. No Joven Jones, no Chad Marshall. You're talking about key cogs who had been on this defense and won them championship after championship and sent them to championship series after championship. Well, not series, but championship games yeah. after championship games. And what do you have? You have Nuhu 
in the middle, you have Xavier Ariaga, uh, Andrade, mm-hmm. and you mentioned Alex Roldan, but I think he's actually in a rotation, isn't he? Um, but it doesn't nope. matter. There's still he's he has actually started um, each game at right back um, and only been subbed off a couple of times. Well, so hang on, where's Brad Smith coming in then? Brad Smith is a left wing back. Um, and he's, he's started, okay, but that's, um, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. But we're running, we're running four a across five man back line. Oh, we're running. Five a, man okay. Back hang on. Please talk to that because that's where I'm getting a little okay. bit confused. Um, but I want to make my point, which mm-hmm. is, as I was stating last year on this very podcast, Alex Roldan, not good enough. Xavier Ariaga in that COVID cup. Not good enough. He was giving up mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. And then Nuhu, who looks like Chad Marshall this year, what mm-hmm. looked like he didn't understand how, like if the ball was circular, circular, round, round yeah. square, rectangle, triangle. <laughs> he didn't look like he knew what a soccer ball was in the COVID Cup last so, year. This is, this is the thing. So Xavier Ariaga has been put in good positions to take best advantage of his best skill, which is passing as a center back. Nuhu has been put at left center back. His job is basically to shut down anything that comes onto the whole left side. And right now he is playing as a best 11 center back. In other words, at the end of the season, if this continues, he will be for one of the best 11 players in major league. For, for football fans, that would be not just pro bowl. That would be all pro all pro. Right, exactly. Okay. Um, and then um, at right center back, um, Andrade, uh, uh, Gomez Andrade was uh, basically benched in the first couple games of the season to light a little bit of a fire under his tail because he apparently was just not playing well enough in practice or in shape or something because Shane O'Neill started a couple of those games. Um, but he has really dominated on the right-hand side. Now, you said, and you were correct, that Alex rolled on, not good enough last year. Mediocre, right? And in MLS Cup, he did not do well. Though, to be fair, Joven Jones hung him out to dry on two of those goals by um, being a lazy, um, insert your expletive of choice, who didn't get back (laughs) and to cover his defensive responsibilities. So, Alex rolled on, has leveled up like Ken Griffey Jr. did in 1990. Okay. Coming off a rookie of the year season, which was pretty good. 16 home runs, 264, a few RBIs, a few stolen bases. Ken Griffey Jr. immediately went to top five player in Major League Baseball type. Now, Alex Rodon is not a top five player in Major League Soccer, but he has leveled up at an enormous rate. He is not losing defensive battles. He is not letting anyone get down his side. He is tackling the ball away and starting counterattacks. To use then, your to he use gets- your analogy, you know, for baseball. Mm-hmm. If you loaded me with a team that has three or four guys like Stan Javier back in the Mariners 2001 year, or if you load me with some Mark McLemore's, give me that because I need those guys, and I feel like that's what Alex Roldan's doing. And and, and he. See, he's gone Swiss Army a, knife of players, right? Yeah, but he's gone from being below average last year to being way above average this year. So, I mean, you can you know you can do your your John Madden rating. He's gone from being like a sixty-one 
to being like a 79 in one year. Okay. I mean, like, yeah, a starter, like a legitimate starter. Like you go to any club in major league soccer and you say, Hey, do you need a starter at right back? And this guy can do it. But what he's been done is he's been put in this role that he's really, really good at, which is more um, uh, bomb up the right side. No, he has cover behind him because, again, we got three center backs instead of the normal two. So those guys are covering defensively. So he doesn't have to come back on defense as fast as you normally would with just four defenders. And he can get up the field. Here's the other thing. His chemistry with his brother is fantastic. And Christian Roldan has been playing in that attacking midfielder job because Ladero, our best player, has been hurt basically the whole season. He's played 24 minutes. And Christian and Alex have a great chemistry back and forth. They know where each other's going to be. And Alex is making them the most of that. Yeah, well, I was going to – sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to I was going to ask you. I was waiting – Waiting to see in uh, when Ladero's name was going to come up because I saw that yesterday they basically have shelved him for the first half of the season. They, they want to make mm-hmm. sure he gets healthy. So yep. you have that kind of presence that's going to come back at the mid mid season as like a reinforcement, and we're already playing at this level. Are are you excited about that? I mean, I cannot tell you how excited I am. Here's the other thing I'm excited about: the youth on this team. The Sounders youth push, which is why Garth Loggerly was brought in primarily was to professionalize the institution because the owner, Adrian Hanauer, was the GM for the first several years of the Sounders uh, MLS thing. He, In fact, he was the GM of the A-League Sounders, which he bought and ran for a long time. So he, he knew what he was doing, but he realized that he needed a dedicated soccer person so he could focus on being an owner and developing the club that way. Um, and then he's also brought in another um, one of the co-owners as a junior partner to be the president of business operations. He is Garth Lagerade is the president of soccer operations. Right. And so what they've done is they built the academy. And basically what this is, is scholarships for youth players in the in the greater Washington, as well as a few other spots from the country. The kids come in, they go to high school. Um, and they they um, locally, but then they get to train with professionals. They get professional instruction, you know, for three hours a day. And then when they're um, they're 16 years old, they can sign professional like pre contracts as as minors. And so we have four kids who are on one of those types of contracts. Okay, Josh Atencio, the first couple games um, really lit things up. He stepped in for Ladero and looked every bit like a competent pro he's a what he's he's 19 he's 19 years old he missed all of last season um with an injury and because of the covid protocols he was good enough they thought highly enough of them that they put him with the first team so he basically had a year of tutoring with the first team pros on how to play midfield how to be a pro how to do all those things right so he wasn't down in Tacoma with a defiance. They had to be at a separate pod. We also have um, Danny Leva, who was also injured uh, a couple years ago and has slowly had to come back. And he has he is like the flash. Okay, Atencio was like the smooth, cool as a cucumber, run the midfield, kind of like Ozzy Alonso, but without the bite. Like just you know how 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 cool and clean Ozzy was on the ball. Josh is just like that. Danny. Danny is the flash. Danny is the pizzazz. Danny is 
Um, all, all the just fancy moves, ball control, open up the defense, and, and jam the ball down their throat. And then you also then we, you also have Reed Baker Whitting. Reed Baker Whiting is going to be Whiting, our defensive sorry. midfielder of the future. He's 16 years old. This guy is so confident, so confident in himself that when he was offered a contract with Sounders, guess what he said? He said, let me think about it. Here are my terms. Let me negotiate because he knows that <laughs> if he waits till he's 18, he can go to Europe and sign. He has been a youth national team player. He's been called into camp. There are scouts from teams like Bayern Munich, Celtic, Marseille that have been looking at him and his cohort in games here in America. And now so he how old is he? Some leverage to get some stuff that maybe um, a lesser talent would not have. And tell the folks out there how old he is. He is 16 years old and made his Sounders debut last, last Sunday. Sunday. Oh, yeah. Man. Wow. And, so you're looking. In, in like three minutes, he made two tackles to stop like the, the LAFC from scoring, going against the likes of Carlos Vela and De, uh, 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 and Rossi, uh, their two top scorers. I, I wanted to interject uh, for those who don't understand soccer that the injury to the injury to Lodero, it would cripple other teams. Like Matt, you're a Dodger fan, you know, uh, Corey Seager, right? Yeah. Clayton Kershaw. It, it would, theoretically, that should cripple a team, his injury, right? Yeah. But they have enough talent to replenish yeah. and to make up for it. And that's what the Sounders have. And that's unlike most MLS teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Sounders are doing something right now, guys, that is remarkable. So for a long time in, in, in Major League Soccer, you've either been a team that buys players brings in top-end talent, spends a bunch, has a veteran crew, right? And you contend. Or you've been a team that develops players like Dallas and Philadelphia and, and a couple of other franchises like uh, our Real Salt Lake. Um, and you've sold your players a bunch, but you haven't really been very good. The Sounders are basically trying to do both. They're trying to develop in-house talent and either keep it or sell it on to Europe or South America, or Asia, or wherever, you know, there's a market for it. Or, um, and at the same time, they're going to bring in top-end talent like Ludero, like Rui Diaz, like whoever it is that we don't know that Garth and his scouting staff have been looking at. Well, and it's the international. It's also your Newhus and your Brad Smiths who sure. are neglected in their own countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, speaking of Nuhu, I just got to say, he just got called into a national team camp with his home country. You're about to make Matt really mad. Oh, don't be too mad. No, no, because Matt and I, we're of this opinion. Let's have this discussion, actually. <clears throat> Sorry, Brian, don't mean to step on your toes here. <laughs> That's all right. I cannot stand it when freaking... Other countries, and Matt, I know you and I have had this conversation. I don't like it when our best players every freaking year have to go play on these stupid, pointless tournaments. 
it's like it's like how many how many championships would we? I mean, no, we have we have some championships, obviously, as the Sounders, but how many more would we have had over the last decade if we had been able to keep every single player for every single game and not farm them out to pointless, stupid? Uh, yeah, like if no. it's a World Cup, if it's a World Cup, um, okay, the, fine. The answer is we would have World Cup is far fewer championships than we have. Because if we had that attitude, we would not have gotten the top players that we have had. The Sounders have been a class organization because this is the way the soccer is. Not the way you guys in your Americanized silliness <laughs> want it to be. Okay, this is how so soccer. What do you mean? What do you mean, you guys? No, 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 stop. You grew up across the street from me. You're American, you just are like we are. Rules and need to stop talking. <laughs> this is like saying, "Oh, why do they play the postseason in baseball?" I don't why sound do like that. Season. That's a very because poor impersonation of me. You're American, just like we are. I am. But I'm accepting of soccer culture as it exists, as a real world is, not some fantasy mumbo-jumbo land as it exists. Look, is the World Baseball Classic important? No. No. Is the World Cup important? Yes. Yes. Like, by millions of orders of magnitude more. And if you want to play in the World Cup, you go to national team camp when they call you up. It is the highest, best honor that a soccer player will ever have. Winning a World Series is it for baseball. The NBA championship is it, and maybe a gold medal is it for a professional basketball player. You're, it, you're thinking in antiquated terms. You're thinking in this world that is 1984. I mean, this is 2021. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... The money is what matters. You don't get paid that much to be on the U.S. men's national team. In fact, that team doesn't even go anywhere. It doesn't do anything. It's a worthless organization that can't even figure out their pay structures properly. So you're... you're they, they, they do get paid a lot. Like, to be not, on the that, not that it's much. It's like an extra $200,000. Yeah. So no, the women the women get a lot too. <laughs> okay, this is a, that's a different like, debate. That's a different debate. That, the the point the, is the both okay, both <laughs> national team sets get paid a crap ton of money that all of us would accept to go play for the national team. So <laughs> the don't, point don't is like they're doing this they're not. No, but they get paid well. No, hang on. Being in Seattle and staying in Seattle, not having to travel and all that, you know, it'd be, be, be cool to be a sounder. I don't know. Hang on. These friendlies are worthless, Rich. These gold cups or whatever the hell they're called, they're worthless. These these U.S. Open cups, screw oh. them. I don't care. Um, is minor league baseball worthless? It, that's not the same thing. No. That you're comparing uh, apples and oranges. It's. The, it's it, it is apples and oranges, but it's a proving ground. Okay. It's like the U S opens a proving ground. Yeah. The U S open cup is where like you see if your players can actually play. It's a great opportunity for the young players to play, which is what it that, should be until the later rounds. That'd be like, it'd be like taking the Seahawks and sending the players to play in like college football to or play something Eastern. to see if they can play yeah. or oh, it's like NFL Europe is really what it's Oh, they it beat is. Idaho State Bengals. Fantastic. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? <laughs> the US Open Cup in the early rounds should be like the Sounders third team smashing local 
clubs and USL clubs. Okay, that's what it should be. Okay, but as an owner or a GM, all I see that is wear and tear on my best players. But or the owner and the GMs of the soccer clubs don't. They do. That's how you no, no they don't. That's why they don't play their best players in those. That's why they do everything they can to keep them out of those games. But they don't always. That's the thing. They it's should. What happens is, then what happens is our best player gets back the night the night before a big game for the Sounders because he's playing in the Nicaraguan league or something like that. Yeah. And, and and he he can't he can't play a full game for us because he's wasted his time playing for the Nicaraguan league. And we meanwhile lose to the Timbers. Yep. And I would much rather have him rested and ready for the Timbers than playing in the Nicaraguan league. <laughs> Well, then that, then you should take, you should take that up with the league who schedules the games. But I don't know the league. I know you though. And I'm taking it up with you. (laughs) Well, the the fact of the matter is that the The major league soccer, major league soccer plays through these breaks. Most other leagues in the world do not. Most other leagues take a week and a half off and don't have games in these windows for international competition. So they don't have this problem. I would but be Major more, League Soccer. I would be more open to it if we did it that way, like you're talking I, about. That would be MLS more acceptable, yeah. So then they did, the player would have time to travel, go go do the games, rest a few days, and you know come back and rest a few days and be ready to go for our MLS schedule. I just so, I don't like that they're being that they're our our team and the MLS is suffering because of this. That's okay. the bottom line. So this year they've actually taken a break for two competitions that are happening this summer that are international competitions in um, North America. One is the CONCACAF uh, Nations League, which is this break that's coming up here at the beginning of June. And then later in July, there's going to be the Gold Cup. They're both competitions. I'm not going to go into the minutia of them. Um, but there are opportunities for American players to play at an international level, an international competition, and Whoa. get experience. Just hold on. So that the U.S. can possibly qualify for the World Cup in 2022. It's, not just, it's not just the young... U.S. players, though, man. Dude, mm-hmm. half our players are from other countries. And, like, how many times did I have to see Ramon Torres not even – like, he wasn't even on our team, to be honest. He was not available for – 50% of the games his entire career because he's always on the Panama national team doing something down there. And yeah, that I, I, I is watched, a bunch of hooey and hyperbole. I have um, he missed our, a year with injury, so that's the first thing. Second of all, um, hang on, like, what was Matt going to say? Roman Torres I, wants to I was, play. I was so. going to say real quick, I was going to say, I have, I because of this situation, I have watched us play in CONCACAF games and I have rooted for the other team so that we get eliminated so that we don't have to have more of these games so that our MLS team and season won't suffer because that's the only season that I care about watching at the Sounders. You know? I mean, I understand on an individual player basis there's great opportunities and everything, but I'm a Sounders fan, and I want to watch the Sounders win it all. And to win it all, they have to have the best players available and playing. I agree with Ben. Moving on, can I get my question in? Uh, Absolutely. No. Absolutely. No, we're yelling We're yelling at Rich and telling him why he's wrong. Uh, yeah. Stefan <laughs> Fry, I, I messaged you last week on Twitter, yeah. Rich, about Stefan Fry. He's going to be out for a while. Convince me why me, the Fairweathered fan, shouldn't worry about the Sounders with him out. 
um, because they looked great beating the stuffing out of LAFC with their number two goalkeeper. In by the way, by the way, keeper. by the way, Stefan yeah. is not injured. Stefan Cleveland, that is. Yeah, Stefan Cleveland is not injured. He's our young 26-year-old keeper, a left footer, which is a little bit unusual. He looked um, basically really, really good for, for almost the entire match. There were a couple moments where um, he's probably a little bit unsure because he hasn't played with that team um, a lot. But here's the good news. Former Stephen Chicago Fry, former Chicago backup. Yeah, former backup yeah. out in Chicago for the Chicago Fire. Um, and we actually traded for him. So given Garth Lagerway's tra- track record of identifying talent and undervalued assets, I am very high on this young man. From what the couple of matches I've watched him play over the last couple of years, I'm also very high on him. But the really good news is that Fry is hurt, but it's – it's a sprain. It's a low-grade sprain. We're looking at four weeks, six weeks, plus. We, so we got two more matches, guys. The next two Sundays, Sounders have a match, and then we get like a three-week break. The whole league's going on hiatus for the Nations League. Okay, so no MLS, sad face, but no missing games with your key players on international duty. Matt, that should be two thumbs up, happy face for you. Well, uh, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious what what in where, what is sprained? Is it one of those invented body parts that they just make up, like the um, oblique or knee. the high ankle? No, it's his knee. He's he sprained his knee. Okay. Um, and he he got on Twitter um, a few days ago and said that it was just some very small minor he just, tears. He just twisted um, it. Okay. He just twisted it and. Um, the other thing, though, that is sad, we did lose a little bit of depth. Uh, Jordy Lim did his ACL uh, in that game uh, in midweek against uh, the, the hated San Jose Earthquake because they are a bunch of cheater, cheater, McCheater thugs who always outfoul us like three to one throughout the game. Um, and it was on one of those plays where the San Jose player had no chance of getting to the ball but was still kicking at. Um, at Jordy Lim and he came down wrong and, and blew out his ACL. So, um, now Dilem had already Dilem though, uh, the, the Dutchman, right. Um, he had already been relegated to like backup, hadn't he? Yeah. So, so Dilem is, is not a starter. In fact, um, he, well, he was a couple, a couple of years ago. He was, yeah, a couple of years ago he was in more more regular rotation, but with the rise of these young midfielders that we have that I've that I've gone through, uh, there was one more that I wanted to bring up. But um, with the rise of these young midfielders, he's just been kind of pushed out of the uh, central midfield question. Though he is kind of like the closer, he's been brought into a couple matches or had this year to close down games because of a pure defensive presence. But where he's really valuable is the Sounders are a little light at center back. We only actually have three starting center backs. Nuhu, Shane O'Neill, Ariaga, and uh, Gomez Andrade. Um, and really don't have anyone else that is a, can be, can start at center back. Um, and so he was the fifth center back and was going to give us a little bit of depth. In fact, he'd started the night he got hurt. He'd started at center back uh, against San Jose on the road. So... Um, now, one thing um, with you guys on your rants about extra competitions and international duty, with taking these big breaks that you guys want, you say you want, 
That means there are more Wednesday and Thursday night games this year, which means there's going to be a few home games. So I'm going to encourage you and all of the Sounders fans to show Major League Soccer, show the Sounders that they did not make a mistake by having these midweek games and go out and fill up those seats as much as is legally and safely possible. Okay? Because otherwise we go back to a situation where we have the Sounders missing, you know, 10 games without their best players who are all on international duty. And that sucks. That does. I was wrong, by the way, Dilem from Martinique, not from Martinique. That's right. I I thought he was from uh, the wrong other thing. And I, he was, I think you might've been thinking of Leerdam who played for Curacao. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, Real quick. I, Read a lot of articles and who who's Yaimar on the Sounders? Uh Yaimar is Yaimar Gomez Andrade. He is our hulking, huge, incredibly talented uh center back. Uh usually he plays on the right hand side. Um and uh he he was one of the top five defenders in major league soccer last year. And he was he was who I was complaining about a little bit earlier on the show. I did okay. not I did not think he knew what he was doing. Um, like, uh, like new, I mean, like last year during the COVID mm-hmm. cup, that was not the best sounders representation no. possible. What we see in these last six weeks, five weeks, whatever it's been has been everybody at their potential. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic because, uh, maybe even a couple guys above their potential. Okay, so I, I, I'm going to call out a couple of other things that have been outstanding. So when you watch your Sounders games, what I want you to watch for is Christian Roldan disrupting the crap out of defenses without touching the ball, okay? He wears number seven. He's not very big. <laughs> but he he will wait and wait, and then he will run and he will destroy a defense by running down the middle of it, threatening it. Yeah, and that's because and they've rich, will, rich. That's because yeah, they've changed their their defensive capabilities. You touched on this a little bit earlier. It's a formation change where you have five across the back line. What is Roldan doing differently than when he was a box to box player? So what he is doing, um, the, the, uh, there's a gentleman, and I'm going to steal his work a little bit here, but I'll give him credit. Uh, Matt Doyle, who works for Major League Soccer, um, and he does the podcast as well as some articles on their um, website, MajorLeagueSoccer.com, has dubbed the role that Christian Roldan has as a central winger. So think back to the great Sounders wingers, Steve Zakawani, Mauro Rosales, um, uh, you know, uh, Andreas Ivanschitz uh, from, uh, you know, the, Argentina, the, the first, uh, yeah, uh, in Austria and, and, and where where else? Okay. Oh, was he Austria? The winner's okay. job is to basically get on the, on the wide side and run at the defense and get behind and dribble and do that. And, and but Christian's not doing that from the wing out, out wide. He's doing that in the middle. And, and he runs so hard and times his runs perfectly that, he like the defense moves whenever the ball moves, right? The defense moves to adjust and then he runs and disrupt. And if you don't respect his run into the middle, all of a sudden he's wide open running at the keeper ready to score. And he's a good enough offensive player to score on his own. 
he had a couple of incredibly beautiful goals last year against LAFC when we tore them apart um, at LAFC. Um, in fact, one where he split the center backs and just basically ran down and chipped the keeper. It was it was amazing. And so he is good enough. You have to respect him. But then if you respect him, that disrupts the defense again, creating more space for his brother, Alex Rodon, to get in behind and cross the ball or for Jao Paulo to get into a dangerous spot or for Will Bruin and Raul Rui Diaz to get into dangerous spots. With the fasc- so- Sorry to interrupt you, but isn't there a fascinating aspect in that the new formation you're asking him as a center midfielder in a 4-4-2 there's two center midfielders and because there's two of them they don't have to cover as much land right he's being asked to be to cover way more territory yeah yeah so he's he's in front of the um the, the two central midfielders which basically have been uh josh atencio uh, before he got hurt and then uh jao paulo um, and uh, local boy Kellen Rowe, who played in the center, um, but he's 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 kind of sitting ahead of them where Lodero normally would. Now Lodero is like a jitterbug who goes all over the field, you know, and has the ball. He always wants the ball. He wants the ball at his feet to play that beautiful pass that then scores the goal. Boom! Right. That is what Lodero is always doing. He's always involved. He leads the team in touches, passes, uh, dribbles, all that stuff. Christian does not. Do it that way. He does all of this damage without ever touching the ball. Um, a football analogy, he's like uh, DK Metcalf. You have to respect the long ball, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to take up, like DK Metcalf is going to take up two or three defenders because if you don't, you don't, if you don't respect it, he's going to run right by you. Christian is the soccer equivalent of that, and it is no one has found an answer for what to do about it because of the timing of his runs. Again, I'm going to use a football analogy. It's like Steve Largent. Remember the, the precise routes that Largent would run in his heyday with the, with the, the Seahawks. He would always be open at the perfect time. Same kind of deal. Christian is always open at the perfect time. So Rich, you made a post on social media. I believe it was yesterday or the day before you were comparing the Seattle Sounders versus the the Seattle Mariners, and you're basically <laughs> you were saying that the Sounders are a better franchise than the Mariners, which the point you made, I 100% agree. Um, personally, I think this would be a great article for you to write up and post on SeattleSportsUnion.com, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> Wait, Solak, what did he say? What did he say? I'll I'll read it. I'll read it. I got it right here. You got it open? Okay, go ahead. So the Seattle Sounders have a better goal differential at plus 11 through six matches than the Seattle Mariners do through 43 games, negative 24 runs. The Sounders have made the playoffs 12 straight years, three times the number of times that Mariners won two league championships, MLS Cups, four Western Conference titles, four U.S. Open championships, one supporter shield, the best record of the Bay uh, in, in the regular seasons. The Mariners have won three division titles and had one amazing season 20 years ago. Also, the Sounders have way more average attendance than the Mariners. And both have been to the World Series the same amount of times. <laughs> yes, and the Sounders have a higher percentage chance of getting to the World Series than the Mariners do. <laughs> <laughs> also, the, the Mariners are the only Major League Baseball franchise to never make the World Series. What's your rebuttal to that, Soul Man? <laughs> I'll, I, 
He's right. I mean, that's why I thought it'd be a great article. I mean, look how, I don't want to swear, but look how terrible this our Seattle Mariners team is. I mean, we've had, what, three or four good seasons in our 45-year, 45 years, whatever, however long we've been around. Mm-hmm. and Four playoff and appearances, the, yeah. Yeah, and the Sounders have, I mean, I know they had two separate teams here, but they, I believe they played in, didn't they play in the finals way back when? And yep. then, mm-hmm. and they've won, you just told us how many cups they've won since when they started up again. I mean, yep. they're, they're hands down the, the best franchise in Seattle. I mean, right now I'd say they're beating the Seahawks. Well, I, 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 I'll say that the only franchise in Seattle that could possibly stand up to the Sounders is the Seattle Storm. Yep. With four titles uh, over the last, what, 15 years. Yep. So, um, I mean, I gotta give props to the ladies, uh, you know, that that have have really been a major force uh, in the WNBA for uh, for a generation, basically. Um, and, and and with two or three rebuilds in that period of time, like it's it's not been just the same two or three players. It's uh, it's they they've had a couple of different, distinctly different iterations. But um, but back to your point. Um, what I don't understand is that the, the Mariners have been among the top spenders in Major League Baseball um, throughout that time. They're never in the bottom half. They, they, they spend a fair amount of money, but they've never done anything properly. It, 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 nope. it, and it just drives me nuts. They've never built a real foundation of a team um, like the hated Astros, like the hated A's, you know, who have really invested in their farm system to develop top end talent. It's just, it drives me nuts. I just want to say this, like on Facebook, Rich and Matt, you guys were, you guys were using uh, the Baltimore Orioles as a punchline. They went to the playoffs in 2016. Right. With, uh, right. who was it? Buck so, Walter, right? Buck Walter, Yeah. yeah. And never gets any credit. And I, yep. and Matt's forcing me to do this. Um, I am. Well, I need okay. to say Mark Trumbo is not as horrible as I thought he was. Oh, <laughs> he just needed to get away from the Mariners, apparently. Yes, because yep. he he drove that team offensively. I mean, they had great pitching with Chris Tillman. You know, anyway. Um, but offensively, they were right in the back of Manny Machado and uh, Mark Trumbo. Right? Um, right. So as much as we think Chris that Davis. as as much as we think that they were terrible. Only for the last five years, they've been terrible. Yeah, I guess yeah they had a they had a peak recently, but right now they are bereft of anything worth watching. Yeah, point. but I would take whatever they had the, during that four or five year span that they were pretty good over what we've yeah. had for the last twenty years. Here's the other thing I don't understand, guys. Like we have a beautiful stadium, we have a big stadium, right? Yep, like yes. Safeco Field. Is still really big. It's I don't it still feels in, modern too. Yeah, I mean it's a beautiful park. But, but but more to the point, like so the first couple of years that that the Mariners were in um, Safeco Field, which I will always call it Safeco Field. I know it's T-Mobile Park or whatever. That's pink yeah. and that's wrong. But um, anyway, at our home park, we had great defensive center fielders. Right, mm-hmm. we switched from a long bomb kingdom oriented crew to a more um spray the ball go for doubles you know go for um, small ball small as matt ball, as matt would like to say nationally first good pitching right 
Yeah, we're about to say. As Matt would like to say, National League ball. Yeah. It's his National League style, yes. Yeah. Because it it played to our park's strengths, right? Mm -hmm. You had Mike Cameron patrolling center field for half a decade. And basically, if the ball got hit to center field, it went to die. It was an out. Okay, you're telling us what we know. Really smoke it. What is your question? (laughs) Why don't the Mariners play to their strengths? Why don't they, you know, develop players who are pull left-handed hitters who can drive the ball to right the short right field porch like i I just don't so matt so so matt is a big defender of depoto go for it matt Mm -hmm. yeah answer the man okay well i've had to make this argument a a thousand times now on text message conversations but i i respect (laughs) jerry depoto which a lot of people in seattle apparently don't anymore at this point and the reason Mm -hmm. why is because when he came i can actually see his job in isolation and other people getting caught up in the in in everything else and the politics they they know they just suck and how come they suck well he showed up and he got handed a task to deal with a, 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 a roster that had a lot of old folks on it that weren't performing anymore, that had rigid contracts that we couldn't, he couldn't be flexible. And he had orders from ownership that he had to win now. Okay. They tied his hands behind his back. He did the best he could. He traded a lot of guys. He rebuilt the team. He made it a little interesting to watch there for a season and a half, but they weren't going to, they weren't, they weren't serious. And then it all failed, and they finally pulled the trigger. What two and a half years ago now, uh, on a, on an actual full rebuild, and that's what they're doing right now. They're starting to finally see the results and the players come up. And I can see you, and I can feel you rolling your eyes there, Abraham. You're telling but, me the Wikipedia but, entry for for Depoto. Like I know here, all this. Here's here, here here's here's the deal. I think at this point. They're just struggling to find players who can play. I think it's the not- bottom line right now. It's 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 we've hit such a low. Yes, we'd love to get the the, the hitters that are catered perfectly catered perfectly to our our field and all that. But it, right now, we just need to get some players who can hit. Bottom line, I mean, look at our batting average across this roster right now. It's pretty pathetic. Uh, but the idea is, yes, to 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 still try and go back to those roots to what was successful to have a center fielder that kills all flying things. Like Franklin Gutierrez did, and and when when he was healthy, and and uh, Kyle Lewis is is doing, I think, pretty well out there right now. Um, but you know, it, it it's 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 a full rebuild that that you can see what's working and what's not, and right now a lot's not working. But. So so like, th- this is my argument with Matt, and I'm not going to ask Matt this question because he's gonna he's gonna do what he just did now. He's gonna like try to apologize for things because there's no way Matt can ever accept the fact that, uh, you know, like you can't accept Jesus in his life and he can't accept the fact that DePoto sucks. So please tell me DePoto, who people don't realize that uh, (laughs) people don't realize he sets the lineups. So like, what is he doing wrong? Because it's not, it's service sucks, but DePoto's on the hook for this lineup. He's terrible. I mean, who 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 was responsible for Cano? Was that him or was it the guy before? That was that was the 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 prior guy. But I mean, oh, the prior guy. But but Depoto still Depoto still sets the daily lineups. What yes, is he, he doing does. wrong? He we don't have the right. Obviously, we don't have the right pieces, and 
he why trades Kellenick hitting lead off. I want to know that. Why is Kellenick hitting lead off? But he, 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 I don't know. His hands are because tied. Because Kellenick I mean, can actually possibly maybe get on base. Yeah, but you don't throw a rookie. Put somebody you, else there. He sh- I mean, he's a middle of the order hitter, but put him down like at sixth or hole right now for a while. Will he adjust to major league level? You don't throw him in the front number one spot. Back to Tapoto. He just doesn't. Yeah, in my opinion, he has no clue what he's doing, and he's just trying to put the right pieces in. But I, th- I think the ownership. We don't know the whole story, but I think the ownership has sucked for the last thirty years. Uh, it doesn't matter who's been in charge, and I mean. And Depoto, they, they brought in Depoto, who's a, who's a yes man, and he's just doing whatever the hell that they tell him to do and save money here. And I mean, That's, Matt, you're con- your Matt was commenting on Facebook on one of the groups about how we're not going to we, we have to overpay to get a you know a good veteran to come in here. I mean, we need some leadership, and this whole team doesn't have any leadership on it. I mean, we're, we're, we're I don't care about the rebuild when we don't have anybody to come in to mold this team together like a Trevor Bauer. Or, or whomever, but Mitch Hanniger's not going to lead us to the promised yeah, land. Some context, Brian. I, I think that everyone here is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because well, you're okay. one of the everyone. So are you including yourself, or what, what's going on here? Um, no, no. I'll, I'll say the three of you are wrong. Okay. You guys are, are banging. Well, thank on you the for team. clarifying that. You're banging on the players. You're banging on the manager. Uh huh. The rot goes deeper. It does. This goes to ownership. Yeah. This is on ownership. I agree. Okay. So the Seattle Seahawks were a horrible franchise in the NFL. 1992, worst. 1992, fewest points scored in the history of football. Yeah. Well, no, but more to the point, throughout their history, basically, from when they started, what, 1976, 1977, whenever it was, um, until they were bought by Paul Allen, the Seahawks were a joke of a franchise in the NFL. Yes, they had a few good moments here and there, but they were a joke. Okay? What happens? Paul Allen comes in and he sets the standard and says, we will be a top-class organization from the top to the bottom. We are going to bring in quality folks. And what does he do? He hires the best person available. In fact, I don't even know that Mike Holmgren was available, to be honest. I think he basically said, I think he's the man for the job. What number will it take, Green Bay? What number will it take, Mike? And he wrote him a check. Yep. Right? They invested in their facilities. They invested in the stadium. They invested in everything, top to bottom. Adrian Hanauer comes in. He has run a top-class organization in minor league soccer, realizes he can't get it done on his own, and goes and gets a guy with a crap ton of money in Joe Roth to build a world-class organization. He brings in Paul Allen, who Paul Allen is crazy about soccer, right? And what do they do? They become the model franchise in major league uh, soccer. Sorry, Atlanta. Sorry, LAFC. Make the playoffs every year for twelve years, then we can talk. Yep. Um, I mean, like, look. Well, hang on. You bring ownership. up a good point. You bring up a good point. Um, because as much as I want Matt to sit there and struggle to defend that jerk Jerry Depoto, God, I hope he's never on our show. I'll have to defend that. Um, but, uh, um, but let's face it. You, uh, either you or Solak, one of you guys said. We have to overpay for talent to come here 
Mm-hmm. I'm okay. going to give DePoto the benefit of the doubt. He's probably tried to get veteran, you know, mid-tier veterans to come yeah. here. But I think they're just fleeing to other teams like uh, Colton Wong. Oh, yeah. We we tried to get him, but he took the money somewhere else. And that's yeah. my that's my fundamental problem is like, well, if ownership's not going to open up the book to get, you know, middle tier guys to help us in the meantime, yeah. you know, then we're going to get the worst offensive team in Major League Baseball. That's what we got. Well, here's, here's the other thing, guys. Abe, I, I know you hate Lou Pinella. But you're wrong about the guy. I don't hate the him. The guy was a winner. I don't winner. hate him. You do I hate, hate him. I hate people oh, who like. bagged on him I, repeatedly oh, no. for 25 years. I hate this idea that he's this fantastical coach, but I don't he hate. He's a fantastical coach. No. Look at the results. We need somebody like him. To oh, to oh. He's in the Hall of Fame or not. But the One World Series? Hang on. One World, Se- one World Series win? And you're going to call this guy the greatest coach of all freaking time? Did I say that? Yeah, you said he's Did fantastical. Greatest of all time? No, that would be Casey Stengel. No, fantastical is at least two World Series. Okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> he, had, he, had his, he had his negatives, like, like Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker is recognized as a pretty good coach around the league, but you do not let young arms get anywhere near Dusty Baker because he will, he will yeah. just that, destroy and that, them. And that's fine, but here's the thing. Lou Pinella was not the greatest manager there ever was, and he did not bring us a World Series. But Lou Pinella was a great leader, and he, I believe, for the most part, got the very best out of his teams that he could. Okay? Disagree. Disagree. No, no, and he played, he managed four different, distinctly different styles of teams that were given him by the front office, and for the most part was successful with them. To to be fair... He did get Luis Ugeto his only home run in his major league career. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. okay. I understand what you're saying. And yes, I would take Pinella over this, uh, this band of idiots that we've had as managers for this last recent Mm -hmm. period of time. I mean, there's, there's, there's some context here. I mean, you're comparing, you're comparing a Quiznos sandwich to you know the the bologna sandwich I have in my fridge, so okay, well, I'll I'll give you I'll give you. Another I'd rather example. have a steak dinner. Yeah. Okay. In in the mid '80s, the Yankees were probably the most dire franchise in Major League Baseball. They had a wealthy owner who wanted to meddle in everything, wanted to win now, plunked down crap tons of money all over the place, bought the biggest hottest superstar. But they couldn't. They their organization was in shambles. They the the middle of it had rotted out. They had no one in the farm system. When he finally got out of the way, and let his baseball people do good things, and focused spent his time focusing on building the business, right, doing what owners are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. What happened? The the financial yeah. He let Cashman. He let Cashman and Tory. He let Cashman and Tory do what they're good at. He, yeah. yeah he, he, hired he brought good. in leaders. He brought in people who were competent leaders who could inspire people, who could find talent, let them do their jobs, right? And then the Yankees won championships. By the way, I'll make a point there. They won four titles in five years 
with a mixture of expensive veterans and young up-and-coming youth. Mm-hmm. And mid-tier veterans too, like so, Paul O'Neill. Yeah, mid-tier veterans like Paul O'Neill, right? Like, so one of the one of the things I want to get back to, the, the, add some context to what Mr. Solak was saying about the about the the free agents and stuff. There's there there's a lot of complaints. Another angle, yeah. Everyone wants the ownership to open their wallet and and go out and get those big players, like you were saying, Abraham. Even the mid middle players, you know, middle veterans that you fill out a roster with. The problem is, is that we're not a destination city. We're not a destination franchise. You know, we're not L.A. or Vegas or Miami or New York. Um, so we're kind of up here by ourselves. So there's there isn't that appeal or draw to a lot of the players. And and if say you know like say a top tier uh, um, Trevor Bauer goes is is you know opts out and is for free aging again like next year, we we you know we ought, we throw three hundred million over five years or something ridiculous at him. If the Dodgers or the Giants or but, the you know the Yankees come up and they match within five percent, but Matt, that's we're not lose. that's not even who I want. We're going to lose nine I, times out of ten. Matt, I want the Colton Wongs of the world. So. No, I, I understand that, but see, that's the thing. Those guys, those guys are 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 the middle class in 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 baseball is getting squeezed. Okay, yep. so go for and them. So that's not, where the not, that's where the deficiency is right now. So go for them. See, that's the thing. Those guys are having to accept a lot less money. Yeah. So so they go. Okay. Well, the Dodgers will offer me that same like a million dollars less. But I can play on a team that actually has a chance. To yeah, play off. yeah, or but I you paid more, and that's what John Stanton, the dam owner, one of the dam owners in this team, refuses to do is say, "Yeah, Depoto, go get that guy. If you got to yep. pay more, pay him double, whatever." No, we could. I mean, that's the thing, though. There are players we could we could offer them triple, and they still won't come because we're such we're at we're at a point where we don't have a friend, we don't have a we don't have that foundation. We need mm-hmm. to start having mm-hmm. building that foundation, which we're trying right now. Before we can really bring in any no, that, unacceptable, unacceptable. Free. It's a sales pitch, and Depoto doesn't know how to sell this team to freaking free agents. You if sell gonna, what you got now. How do you sell a Pinto, Abe? Yeah, how do you sell you, a Pinto? It's the Ford. We are the Ford Pinto of Major League Baseball. <laughs> There's you, nothing to sell. There you're is a free nothing agent. to sell. A Ford Pinto a is great guys. for There's cold. Nothing. For cold Wisconsin nights, a Ford Pinto will heat you up and keep you nice and toasty. Yeah. Actually, the Ford Pinto had problems with its heating elements. It was incredibly no, unreliable. But it blew up. All fastest in systems. But it blew up when you when you hit it in the back end. So that creates a fire and it keeps you warm. Yeah, but see when you can get Stop. you can get a uh you know and you a, can sue Ford, Ford Focus instead. But you have to you have to pay you know it's five percent difference or something in, in your in your in your cost. You're gonna go with the focus. You, is that focus why you bought a focus? You, your destination. You guys make you Seattle. You guys make uh, Seattle sound like it's freaking. Oh. <laughs> you make us sound like we're the elephant man. Like th- this is not some. We have cooties. Circus yes, sideshow like. This is a. It is a circus sideshow. There's thirty. It's a sideshow for how bad can you possibly be at offense? We are the worst offense in baseball. I know. Okay, we We have no plan. Nope. No, there is a plan. There is a plan. They're doing a terrible job of instituting it. Well, no, no, there's a plan. It's just not panning out. 
No. I, I got no problem, and I know Matt thinks I'm always on DePoto about his rebuild. I got no problem with the rebuild. We're doing the rebuild. What I don't like is that, or is that there is zero effort to win now, and there's zero effort to go out and get these middle-tier guys I'm talking about. Like right now on the team, we have Kyle Seeger, Mitch Haneker, and J.P. Crawford are doing okay. You can't tell me that there are no more guys on the waiver wire like those guys. You cannot tell me that. There's, you can't tell me there's no war. You guys talk about war. Are there, are there no war guys out there? Average replacement guys? There's guys. There, yeah. just the thing is, is those, the, guys that, the guys that you're talking about aren't much better than the guys that we, like Hagerty. We have the worst Marley, offense. We probably shouldn't be on our roster anyway. We have the they worst offense Marmalade, in baseball. They, they are better. So they, finally, they finally cut Marmalade. He, he shouldn't have been on the roster. Thank God. A year and a half. Yep. They Thank called up Sam, Sam Travis to play first. Okay. That's better than, so, than Marmalade. So here, yep. here's what I'm, what I'm. You have to try to suck this bad. That, no. So here's the thing. We have not done anything as an organization, top to bottom, grand strategy, where we, for example, actually build the best minor league baseball and player development organization in baseball. Yeah, you're actually, actually wrong about that. I disagree with no, you. No, 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 no. I do not see stories where the Seattle Mariners hired the very best person in the entirety of major league baseball, paid no. him triple what everyone else offered and then hired every single person that he wants and have five times more scouts than everyone. Okay. We, there was that a, would be a huge plan. purge when, when DePoto came in, there was, he did, he cleaned house in the minor league development system. They fired everyone basically. And immediately yeah. the following season, every single level in the minor league system went to their championship game. Okay. So Rich, I'm I'm not happy so, with some of the guys that they brought in. Like they brought in some psychiatrist guy, and I think this is all hooey. Um, they also brought in some new age stats guys, and that's all hooey too. That's just voodoo. Um, but to your point, he doesn't know anything about baseball. To to your point, to your point, they are trying something, and to some, like Matt's saying it is going to some amount of success that success doesn't always ramp up to, you know, the major league level. And this is where I get back into this. Brian, I have not heard your feedback on this one yet. And that is at the major league level, what are we doing? Because it's going to take three or four years uh, longer than we expected to get these guys up from the minors. If they even pan out. If the, yeah, you are correct if they pan out, but it's going to start with they need to make a change at a manager. They need to bring in, I agree with Rich, they need to bring in someone like a Lou Pinella. Um, you got to uh, think of that, that Marlins guy, Jack McKeon. They brought him back in 2003, and the Marlins won a world championship just like that over the Yankees. They need to, the owners, they need new ownership too. They need, I know it's not going to happen, but I think that's the hardest thing will, to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's the hardest thing to do, like you just said. But, that that's if we're going to have any success moving forward that we need new ownership otherwise we're going to be a, we're going to be a losers for the next 20 years in my opinion all right what do you think Solak, about uh, larusa i know he's uh, i know his act is going over well right now <laughs> that's right um one of his in a blowout the other night one of his players uh swung on a 3-0 pitches like 45 miles an hour and hit it over the center field fence and 
and uh, Larissa was like totally against it, and and now they're making a big deal out of it in the media how he's against against what his player did, and that was awesome. Yeah, his Larissa was talking yeah. about how his player is going to get punished. He was implying he's going to get yeah. Beat. Well, not so only why that. Are you, why are you supportive of that? Not, I thought you were against people getting. Not, beat. I'm not. A, I'm not for it. I'm. I'm asking Solak what he's thinking about. I think Larusa is an out of touch old man who needs to sit on his back porch and like let the game go by. Um, oh, yeah. Here, okay, here's my question for him. I have a question because I I actually don't don't know the context. Of why was a position player pitching? Okay, it was a blowout. The twins, the twins had given up. They were down like thirteen to like three or something crazy, and it was the ninth inning or the eighth inning. Eighth inning, I think it was the eighth inning, and they eighth they inning. were giving their bullpen a rest basically. So they put out a, a position player who I guess had had some experience pitching, pitching. in the past. Yeah, and and he 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 threw a three uh, on three and zero. Oh, he threw just this pitch. lob ball right over the center of of the plate, and his you know. You swing. I mean, come on. So, yeah, why not? so the White okay, Sox. So here's my question: The guys, White Sox does player have a problem with the White Sox player hitting the hitting the ball out of the park. He's he's no. got. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. There's first of all, he's got a name. You're mean. Mercedes. Mercedes. Thank oh, you. Yeah, okay. Thank Rosa you. Uh, yeah. So let's let's throw that name out there. So it was a three zero count. This guy's throwing Ephus pitches. Uh, Larusa tells Mercedes. Don't swing. Take the walk. Mercedes said, fuck you, old man. Sorry to use that language. But, you know, Brian, I feel like you're always using it. Yeah. Maybe someone else can use oh, it on okay, the show. Fair enough. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. There was no, he didn't, he didn't like signal him. Don't, don't hit. Don't I'm swing. Matt. I'm building a story. I'm building a narrative here. Narrative. Okay, Just right. let it, you know, let it breathe. And so, no, it, it was a, scenario where he said no i'm not going to do that uh takes the 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 big lob the ephus pitch uh yard and it becomes a big situation la Russa tells him uh you need to watch yourself before you wreck yourself right and so yeah. what happens he gets thrown at later in the game uh-huh <laughs> and so and then uh, la Russa, was the, was the next and then la Russa the goes got thrown at yeah it was the next day it was the next day okay uh la Russa then goes to the media and says in essence, yeah, I told him that was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and right now, right now, the whole clubhouse is pretty much rebelling against Larusa. He's lost the, he's lost the respect of his players uh, because he's basically he was basically supporting someone beating his own player. So who and, didn't see this though? Who didn't see this coming? Uh, the ownership when they brought him back. The yeah, GM hasn't been when first place Diesel, up until then. When they hired a when they hired a drunkard who really shouldn't be managing or doing anything anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean this. That? Yeah, this is a guy who's who... probably drunk during the press conference. <laughs> wow. He looked it. Yeah. So here's here's the thing, guys. Like, I, I I'm with you here. Swing. Like, look, if the guy's trying to get you out, you're trying to not get out, right? Well, what's the and Bobby Bowden? Get... Yeah. What's the Bobby Bowden? catchphrase right it's not my Here job your job to stop me yeah it's not my yeah. job to stop my own team yeah i mean right. maybe maybe you're up 72 to nothing but and you just call draw plays up the middle but they're still their job to tackle you you know right right i mean and here's the other thing is that i mean if you really didn't want your i mean mercedes i think is one of his top three player best players right 
if you don't really want him to try, not really. Sub yeah. him out. You have a bench, right? I mean, and and major league rosters are expanded too at this well, point. Well, he did what, 30, 30 players a, a piece at this point. I, was, I think it's twenty six. Twenty six. Twenty six. Okay, so it's not. Um, yeah, no, he he. Um, you know, there's another catcher on the roster always, but yeah, no, I don't think I don't think I don't think Larusa knew he was going to swing. I don't think anyone knew he was going to swing until no Larusa. Well, according to Larusa, he told him not to swing. Yeah, well, tough, tough cookies. It, yeah, it, it I was. Don't. It was. If you watch the throw, yeah, it was like it was a lot. It was right over home plate. Yeah. By the way, like by the way, why not? By the way, uh, Tony Larusa's career batting average, same as the Mariners' batting average this year. Oh, one ninety nine. Yep. Um, yeah, and you know, I mean, who cares if he hit a dinger? I mean, I doubt the Twins really cared too much because they were already down. They were obviously given up on the game. That's the thing. Well, They'd given yeah, up I mean, on the game. But here, here's what makes me mad: is the Twins are all mad and they throw at him the next game. Look, like if you don't want someone to hit home runs on you, even in a blowout, actually put a real pitcher. Yeah, don't in. put in a position player. Yeah, <laughs> stop. They stop had him. signaled that they've given up. They had basically forfeited. No, at that point. yeah. No, they hadn't because part. I bet you their their hitters hadn't just like took strikes. Like, don't don't give me that crap. That's a bunch of hooey. Also, by the way, I've seen teams come back from being down. I don't know. Let's say fourteen to two against the best team in recent major league history. If you what guys remember, Cleveland, Cleveland Indians, Indians rallied Cleveland, against the Cleveland, yeah. yeah. 15 yeah. to 14. I remember watching the whole game. I left for three hours, came back, and saw, got to watch the Mariners lose. Um, yeah. It was horrible. Um, yep. So anyway, I mean, like, no, that's, that's not a high level of chance. But look, unless you are, like, literally telling your players just to take strikes to end the game, you have not given up. Yeah, you shouldn't. Yeah, don't, pro- don't give me any professional level, about that. Professional level, they, they had basically declared, they basically forfeited. They'd given up. And, and I, you know, at that point, who cares? I mean, if the guy hits a dinger against you, well, you gave up. You know, why are you pissed? You gave up. Yeah. You don't have yeah. a right to be upset about it anymore. You literally gave up. And if you want to be a professional ball player, guess what? You got to play all nine innings. All right. We're at the end of the show. It's time for some shout outs, guys. Um, I want to start with Matthew Page, like I like always like to. Who's your shout out today, Matt? Um, once again, I'm going to push the Everett Aqua Sox on you guys because I just, I, I just like doing that. Um, you know the, uh, the they're a wonderful team. They're amazing this year. They're dominating. Their point their uh, points differential is like five times what the Sounders is, and they've only oh, played great. like fourteen games. Okay, they're gonna win. So, they're gonna win the World Cup. They're, 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 <laughs> off, they're on pace too. Let me tell you, they're amazing right now. Uh, and we're hoping, fingers crossed, that June first, I believe, is the first game they come back, and and Julio Rodriguez will still be with them. Um, cause he's amazing to watch here in Everett, but he won't, he won't stay long. So get yourself in to see the game. Enjoy the program, which has articles written by myself, Abraham and Brian in it and, uh, go Everett Aqua Sox. How about you, Rich? Uh, my shout outs to a couple players on the Sounders who took hometown discounts. Now we usually don't know very much about salaries in the, in, in major league soccer until the Major League Soccer Players Association does their annual drop of salaries, and they dump this spreadsheet that has everyone's salaries and incentives and all sorts of fun stuff, and it doesn't cover everything, but it covers base salary. And Freddie Montero, 
the returning hero, took a humongous discount. He is making a whopping $81,000. That's $81,000, not $810. of salary. Callan Rowe also took a hometown discount of around $110,000. Both of these guys on the open market would command three to ten times that salary. They both basically reached out to the Sounders front office and said, we want to be here on this team at this time. Let's make it happen. And I love it. Right on. Um, my shout out's more of a negative shout out. It's a shout out to <laughs> Corey Brock of The Athletic. He wrote his article about Julio Rodriguez and the Aquas Hawks. And he posted a video from Sunday when he hit it over the screen, the big screen TV in left center field. And that son of a bitch gave credit to somebody else. And when I called him out on it, he wasn't very apologetic about it. And he argued it with me. And finally, he pulled the, he pulled my my tweet down about it and just took it out of the article. And I had to email the MLB pipeline just to give me my credit where credit was due. I mean, come on, I'm I'm. It had over forty seven thousand views. So why? I deserve the credit. I work hard. Absolutely. Absolutely you do. That's that's a bunch of uh, minor league garbage. Exactly. So (laughs) so that's my negative shout out to him. So, yeah, no, actually, you did a you did a terrible job of introducing me for my shout out, Brian. I'm sorry. A little frustrated here. Because actually, my shout out was going to be to you for for having somebody at The Athletic actually steal your intellectual property. Um, that's, that's BS. That's awful. That's stupid. And, uh, I sent them a, I sent them an email saying that they screwed and ripped off a friend of mine. And, uh, I also posted on social media that, that it's not, uh, it's not good. Also, another one is Kevin Pillar got hit in the face by a stupid pitcher. And it's time for us to all stop agreeing that throwing at players is a great idea. Stupid idea. Terrible idea. Stop stealing. Stop throwing at people's heads. And uh, this has been the Seattle Sports Union. My name is Abraham DeWeese. With us, once again, we're Brian, the Soul Man Solak, Richard the Ram Michelson, and Matthew Page. We'll see you guys next week. Check out all our great content on SeattleSportsUnion.com as well. At Seattle Sports U on Twitter and Facebook, like us. I think we're likable. <laughs>